0: listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to this episode of High Performance Nursing. Welcome back. Thank you so much for your time. Today, we have another amazing Australian guest. We have Beth Montano. Hello, Beth. How are you? Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thank you for having me. Thanks very much.
0: Super excited to have you here. Before we dive in, I'm sure you all know Beth already. However, I will give her a lovely introduction. Um, So Beth is a clinical nurse specialist in medical oncology and she is the CEO and founder of Autonomic. She's an RN with over 12 years experience in hematology and oncology, um, amongst I'm sure a few other things which we'll learn more about. Uh, And she spent two years working in pharma as a nurse educator. Very interesting. Um, and then Beth, uh, experienced a bit of burnout around year four or end and started looking into ways to getting back to loving nursing. And now that's what she does within Autonomic. And I absolutely love all the work that you do, Beth. So let's dive in. Tell us a little bit about your career to date because I'm sure I haven't done you, (laughs) I haven't, um, I haven't done that uh, a service in terms of selling yourself. Um, As a career coach, so please do sell yourself and tell us what you've been up to up until this point.
1: Well, I think you did a great job, but I'll just go back a few steps because I I don't know, I might help in some way. So when I left school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. My parents were both nurses, but I'd still didn't think nursing was going to be for me, so I didn't know right away. You know, Then I went to India and I went and I was with Mother Teresa raise one of her houses that, wow. that she ran, and it was there I had sort of like an epiphany that I should do nursing. So when I came home, I applied and I moved from Melbourne to Sydney and I did uni here. Going back at, at another step before that, I also did diversional therapy so that's something i did straight from school which wasn't nursing but it was in health so it was sort of i i I knew i wanted to help people but i didn't know where my way my future was so i did that and then i realized there had to be more Mm -hmm. so even from an early age i was always aware that i could do more and be more and i didn't want to settle
0: i love that before you move on i want to jump in there and i'm sorry to cut you off But I love that whole India story. I did not know that about you. I love that. What was that like to go across there and to experience that?
1: So I went for six weeks with a friend of mine, Amber, who we went to high school together. We arrived in Delhi. We were 19 (laughs) and we were two white girls, essentially, Mm -hmm. and it was confronting beyond Mm -hmm. all measure. I mean, the. uh, it totally changed my life. I don't know who I would be if I didn't go to India. Yeah. The things we saw was amazing, scary stuff, but also just like I don't know. I can't. I remember for four of the six weeks we were on an intrepid tour. So, yeah. so for two weeks we were by ourselves, and then we went on this intrepid tour, and we went on the Ganges, and you had to like make a, a wish in a, uh, wish, a wish boat and you lit a candle and we're at one end and they said if the candle was still alight when it got to the other end of the Ganges, it would come true. Mm. And I, I remember writing that I would be happy and some, and I don't know, it must have been a light because I'm here, I don't know, many, many years later yeah. and I'm still happy. So I, I I don't know, India, and I always feel like I've come back and I always feel like this calling back to India, I would really love to go back. It was it's another world. And then going to this, there was a lot of, they over there, their illness is more prevalent on the street. They obviously don't have the same services we have here. And I saw a lot of unwell people on the street. And then you go into these houses and there's lots of sick kids. And I don't know, I just knew at that point I could never go back to diversional therapy, which was great at the time. And it got me sort of into healthcare and starting – to appreciate what what I could do. It was a skill to keep building upon, which I think everyone needs to look at experiences, good or bad, as experiences to build upon and take with you um, or through life. But India was amazing. And I was there, as I said, for six weeks and I put on seven kilos because the, um, <laughs> I don't, India, I'm vegetarian and India is veg and non-veg. So there was a lot of vegetarian food. I just
0: went... Wild, <laughs> quite right. <laughs> why not? You're on holiday, right? Oh, I love that story. And I
1: didn't do Delhi, Delhi, so that's why I've failed, I guess.
0: <laughs> I love that so much. Such a grounding experience. It sounds like, yeah. Um, and oh, I got goosebumps when you told that story about the Ganges and and the light still being on and you being happy. Like that yeah. is such a beautiful story. Um, I love that.
1: I I just found. I remember I had a film because that's how old I am film camera and I took a picture of the candles that I and I, I just found my picture the other day and I couldn't believe that I, I found it so actually I might share that yeah wow I forgot. that's I good
0: post there for it. you on your social media good <laughs> post <laughs> um welcome to Liam Caswell's social media strategy services yes, nice. <laughs> love it it. Um so sorry I interrupted you so India went to India came back
1: and then i started my nursing degree up here in sydney and i didn't know what type of nursing i wanted to get into i thought intensive care because i like order and routine and structure and it's very clean you know it's it was before i imagine at the minute it's not my vision of intensive care and then i applied for the hospital that I did most of my clinical placements at, which was RPA, and I didn't get the intensive care grad because then they only started from year two. Mm. So I had to apply just for the normal rotation and I didn't know what I wanted to do and I was put on the haematology ward. And I think because mum and dad were nurses and I grew up with so many family friends which were nurses, I went into it a bit more confident than I should have been. Mm. I had seen so many nurses at the other end of their careers and I sort of copied that as opposed to the like sort of stage one of nursing, the learning stage. I I think I put myself beyond the learning. And then in hematology, obviously it's really sad and there were people that were my age that died and I, I still think about them, some of the people that died all the time and it's like 12 years later. I remember their names, their families. It changed me in not a good way and I didn't feel very... Supported Mm. at that moment in time, and then I had got my chemo accreditation in hematology, and I hated night duty. It's just not (laughs) not for me. The house at the time, or the apartment I was living in, had um, like skylights, or in the bedroom. So when I came home from night duty, I had to sleep in a blow up in the kitchen because it was the darkest room. I mean, it's not normal. I don't, I, I, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to be sleeping in the kitchen. So then there was this opening in their chemotherapy suite, and because I was already chemo accredited, it was perfect. It was Monday, Saturday, half days. It was perfect, and I was there for several years doing chemo, which, you know, had its ups and downs, but it was sort of a step removed from the death they they obviously I wasn't I was outpatient so when people were sick they went into inpatients but it still caught up with me in a massive way I guess the trauma of dealing with people new diagnosis and then also the whole the whole thing so about year four I just couldn't do it anymore and I didn't I don't remember any formal debriefing no one checked in on I me mean, my grad coordinators. I don't even remember their names now. They never came. I I felt quite adrift the whole Mm. the whole time. So then I went for a couple of years into clinical trial coordination for hematology, um, which was great because then there's another step back. So I was using my skills as you can. I like to think of myself as I'm taking bits and pieces from my whole working career Mm. into my next role. So in trials, I could take all my oncology heme chemo experience into a new area which was for me i I liked it was half office so i had some time away from the patient that because i find i have to give a lot of Mm. i I have to or i do something Mm. for me to work of myself to patients clinical trials was a really good um, balance then i decided to go into pharma now, sorry, this story is going really on forever. Farmer was really interesting because I was educating on chemotherapy, which was obviously very good with chemotherapy. So, and that was, um, involved a lot of travel. I looked after Queensland, South Australia, looking in at all different hospitals. And that was interesting to me as you could see the difference in staff at each centre, mm. so how different centres were run, how the staff interacted with you and with each other. And I found that really interesting. And that was about when I properly started putting my thoughts for autonomic together. Because when I moved from chemo suite into clinical trials, that was when I started doing my own research about burnout, because I, you know, evidence-based practice is what we're all about. And so I I started to read the research. So autonomic was building, building, building. And when I decided to go back from pharma to clinical trials, I do want to go back and I do want to see patients, but it has to be different. Mm. And then that's how Autonomic was born, me essentially sharing all the research and evidence and my skills that I taught myself, my habits I made, my mindset that I continue to work on mm. <laughs> to this day. <laughs> yep. there's, no, there's no real end to it, but it doesn't mean – I mean, it just means we would always have to keep working, mm. which – as we, we, everyone keeps changing anyway. So, you know, the, everyone should be working on themselves all the time, I think. Definitely. And then, yeah, we're here at Autonomics. I, I work um, now in medical oncology as a, a nurse specialist, and I predominantly manage patients who have brain tumors. Mm-hmm that's where i'm at now part-time and the rest of the time i work on autonomy.
0: yeah wow i love that johnny and i love that you take everything with you like you say because sometimes people think oh that role's not relevant Do you know like oh, i see it all the time in career coaching and they say oh like i was a pharmacist in a previous life i'm like are you kidding me like that is the best skill you could bring into a nursing yeah. career or not even something as significant just i worked in aged care now moving into medicine like, oh, my aged care experience isn't relevant. Are you kidding? of course it is. Bring it with you. Build upon those foundations because they will all serve you as you move through your career. So I love that you connected the dots there. Um, In terms of your uh, career as a clinical nurse specialist at the moment, talk to us about that role and kind of what a day in the life looks like for you.
1: So with uh, my current role, So, I I manage patients on um, clinical trials. Actually, I manage seven different studies. And so essentially when you get in, obviously I always just check the admissions to see if any of my patients have been admitted overnight because in um, clinical trials and they have to be reported back to the sponsor that's sponsoring the study, then I have to look up the blood test results of all my patients that are coming in for treatment that day and get them signed off by, we have a trials fellow, so one doctor that works directly just for us, which is amazing. And they're always now I'm an old nurse, as I call myself, and <laughs> they're always like young ish junior doctors. So essentially we just tell them
0: <laughs> I, love
1: it. I mean they, they, they need they need us. I mean we need them. It's a really yeah. I find the, our, you unit know, has a really good working relationship is where they appreciate we know so much more about clinical trials and then in turn we appreciate what they're doing for us. It hasn't happened in all my roles, mm. but this role is this great respect which really helps with a workplace. Mm-hmm. So I get the doctors to do that or any scripts, get them to write any scripts we need for the day. Then we see our patients in clinic. Sometimes, you know, they turn up and they're for admission you can tell just by looking at mm-hmm. them in the <laughs> the weight room. Or they come in and or they're fine and then you take them down to their chemo suite, they get their treatment and then the afternoon is entering the data into databases and then also doing like ethics submissions or governance for the actual sort of background mm. running of the studies. This is a whole world I never knew existed yeah. when I got into nursing. I only found out like year four when I applied and it was just because there was a job. And I'm very thankful it was because it, remember when I said I wanted to work in intensive care, this, uh, clinical trials is very protocol-based. Mm. You have a protocol, you follow it, and you enter the data. So it works. It's been a great find for me because it works well with what I want from nursing beautiful mix
0: for me and you have that clarity like you have that clarity around what it is that fits you and your personality style which i think is a missing piece for a lot of clinicians yeah. is that they don't actually know themselves on that level because it sounds like this is a perfect fit for you right um, yeah. in terms of like your, your your personality and what you want to work towards in your career and what you can offer i'm curious a lot of people look at roles like this and they think but I don't know how to do that. What would you just say to those people that are holding themselves back that think, oh, data, like ethics, oh, that sounds scary.
1: I wish I had thought more about it um, at the time. I went into it and I, I thought, it sounds terrible now, but I thought it can't be worse than what I'm doing now. But I also have the temperament or mindset of learning. I've always mm. loved learning. So I wasn't afraid that I had to learn stuff, but I thought perhaps I can't do it. And then I took it because I I just knew I had to have something different. But for people that are, are worried that they don't know, you can always leave. <laughs> you, like I think people think when they they, they if they move around too much, uh, that it, it doesn't look good for them. But they're just gaining experience mm-hmm. in lots of different great right, ways. They working out things about themselves. But I think a lot of people are worried about what it would say about them to move around too much or they may feel silly in a role where they don't know anything. But if we think about a first day out on placement as a a student, you sort of do feel a bit silly because you see all these nurses seemingly that know everything, but you're sort of, you're supposed to be learning, you're supposed to be at the start. So if people say I don't, yes, ethics and governance and databases and medical records, et cetera. Yes, it's all new, but it's, I mean, it, if you've reframed that mindset mm-hmm. is I get to learn about governance and ethics, I get to learn about the databases. It's just switching how you view it from scary to an opportunity.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you can always learn, right? Like there's nothing no one knows. Like I didn't know when I became a CNC how I would be a CNC, like in a numb. Like I didn't know. Yes. No there's no rule book, there's no guidebook. And your A-don and your Don certainly don't help you. <laughs> you mm-hmm. have to learn, right? So you just get to yeah. work and you trust in yourself. And like you say, if shit's hitting the fan and you're not keen mm-hmm. and you need to move and you've given it time and you've invested And you've allowed yourself to be vulnerable and grow, then you know move. For sure. Move. I love that. I'd love to talk a bit more about autonomic. I'd love to know first and foremost why you chose the name autonomic. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, so autonomic really got started maybe 2017. Just I made an Instagram and just started going from there. The reason for autonomic well, it's from the nervous system. Mm. So as I'm sure all of us know, it's sort of like it's the automatic nervous system, things you don't think about and you just go about it. So what I was trying to bring with that is I'm trying to teach their, their skills and habits mm. that just come automatically mm. or should be. I'm trying to teach people how to live in a way that isn't hard for them, doesn't require thinking. They just live their life like automatically. And yeah. so I just, just all that from the autonomic the nervous system
0: <laughs> i love that that makes complete sense i have I, always wondered it i knew there would be a connection there but i was like oh okay that's cool that that makes sense for sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
1: a strange now, but i don't know I just seemed to when i saw it i because i was looking i think i just got it like a textbook or something i can't really remember and i was like I don't know. I like it. Mm. Oh, something about it yeah. worked
0: for me. Picking a name is really yeah. hard for like a nursepreneur business or like anything like that. Like high performance yeah. nursing is like actually not my business name. My business yeah. is Liam Caswell Coaching, but I resonate with high performance nursing because like yourself, I heard it on a podcast and I thought, oh, that's what I'm trying to get people to do, like to be. I'm trying yeah. to rec- help them recognize that they're high performers because I ask people. Yeah. And I was like, do you like resonate with high performance? And they're like, no, like I'm not that good. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Like you're a high performer. Own it. And stands proud with that. So yes, choosing names is very hard. And then also then when you have to explain it to people, it's like, oh (laughs) I love that. So tell us about what you do in Autonomic and kind of what you because you do so much amazing work. Tell us more about Autonomic and the memberships and things like that.
1: So I started off I think it must be 2018 I wrote a four created a four week course I can't remember its name now but it was on burnout mm-hmm. and I and I wanted to share about the difference between like burnout and compassion fatigue and secondary trauma and sort of just give examples of what a nurse would look like or feel like in each level and then ways um, you sort of you can change yourselves and approach nursing. So I did this little four-week course. I think it was $10 or something. <laughs> I think about it, all the time I put into it back a then. <laughs> anyway. Um I had that and I had a, a few people buy. And then I just decided to sort of start more on in giving and getting to know more about nurses and uh, where we're all at so then there was a a bit of a lull and then I also then I created this little book called the autonomic companion which was because I found that I'm sure you come across this too people say they come across these situations at work but they don't know how to Mm. to deal with Mm -hmm. them and so I, I think it was like 20 twenty five specific situations which could arise at work on actual words phrases to use to help and people found that particularly mm. helpful and then I would just i didn't know which direction I wanted to take next and then i I think it was the end of two thousand and nineteen. I thought about what I really wanted in nursing when I was young and it was a community. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to create a membership where we would all, it wasn't just like a short time for us. I love short courses and I am going to make another one. I wanted more to be able to come and then we'd all learn and grow together mm-hmm. because I, as you know, it's not just a one and done process with this personal development. So, it was called the Phoenix Protocol at the time because I was going, you know, like rising from the ashes, mm, burnout mm. But I decided to change it. I don't know. The academy just felt, I don't know. I don't know. Again, names are strange. It is. I, it's I so named- hard
0: to pick this stuff for sure because it, it, you know, to you, you're like, yes, like this is it, like this is the moment. Yeah. And then sometimes it just doesn't land right, and it's fine to change it. You know, it's what yeah. we talk about.
1: Yeah. So the protocol became the academy and now I just help. It's essentially what I have each month is a slowly growing but lovely community of nurses that we talk about um, like skills, habits and mindsets each month and how we can apply them um, at work but then also about uh, improving on your life outside of nursing because I think that's where people trip up. And I'm sure you see this as well. Everyone's so focused on getting the next skill at work, whatever. I want to do cannulation, blah, blah, blah. These clinical skills will come. But as you know, these more personal skills we need to work on to make everything else easier. Mm. But we're never taught these other skills, particularly not in a community setting, I don't believe. So that's, yeah, where the membership is. Mm,
0: I love that. And it's very much that whole story of like, what got you here doesn't get you there like to you know what got you here yeah. doesn't quite serve you to get to the next point yeah. and you can go for all the clinical skills like I was one of those people I got everything like I was collect I talk about collecting all the certificates and I'm like look at me yeah. look at me but I did no personal development work and yeah. I crashed and burned. and I just think it's so important and I love how you frame it I love how you frame it as the missing semester uh, because yeah. like preach to that I hear you I think that it should definitely be part of undergraduate nursing um across the board so tell us a little yeah. bit about kind of your vision for like that like if you could change it what would you be implementing and, and you know why would that be important
1: I uh, do you mean how i implement it into yeah, like, you know because we're gonna both
0: run for president we're gonna make it happen right
1: <laughs> well to be honest, I think we should start obviously I love nurses but I think we should start even, Earlier School, than that. Yeah. Definitely in uh, schools, I find it frustrating. We aren't taught so many skills we actually need to be <laughs> functioning adults. Yep. Like I know everyone talks about the same sort of, I don't use Pythagoras mm, ever. Never. <laughs> but I I remember, I don't even remember how to do Pythagoras, but you know what I mean? That we're not taught like resumes, CVs, what to say in an interview, how to talk to yourself before you, how to deal properly with conflict. I mean, every job interview asks you about conflict resolution, but I've never been taught actually how to deal with conflict. Mm -hmm. I've read thousands of articles on it now and on confidence. So I'd really love to see it in schools, but at a minimum in nursing, there needs to be, I mean, for example, for the academy, it's about an hour ish a month Mm. so I'm not actually asking for too long to make positive changes you don't need too much in your life so I would really love an hour uh, an hour a month Mm. or a one day something in unis to teach students about how to be a nurse not just to get their nursing registration because I think they're two different things anyone can get a degree anyone can do the assignments yes but how to be a functioning sustainable nurse is a very different kettle
0: of fish Mm, yeah and i love that you cover things like mindset habits and life by design creating your life intentionally as you move through your career not just accepting other people's vision of your career because that's a fast route to burnout for sure i want you to talk a little bit about the love your work kind of slogan that you have because like i for one also like love that idea and I know currently that a lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are thinking, yeah. you know, can I love my work? And I know that yeah. I've had that thought over the last 10 years multiple times. What yeah. do you think nurses can start doing to rekindle their love for their work? Because we all love the work that we do. But at yeah. the moment, it's a bit. Ooh.
1: It is really hard to actually love your work. Well, the, actually, I think it was a, the, that's what the course name does love your work. That's yes. where it came from. <laughs> I've done my research. <laughs> I, can't <believe> I forgot. <laughs> a crucial part of my life. Anyway, so that's where the love your your work came from, and but it's also a bit of a two love your work. It's that you know when you say to someone like love your work, like you. Mm. It's another way of saying thanks, essentially. I always, in my emails with it, because, I don't know, for several reasons, I want to remind people to love their work and then also I often I'm writing back to members or anyone that writes, I often get emails asking for advice, you know, a situation, and I'll give a little example and write love your work because I love that people are even cognizant of change. Mm. So going back to your question about how nurses can go back to loving their work is to go back to basics i always think to go back to foundation of what you want your life to look like before you start making any major career changes mm. so that sort of foundation is like uh doing yourself doing some i personally love like personality t- mm, t- testing so I. I love all <laughs> of that very much so find out about w- what they want from nursing. I don't know if you've seen, I do it within the academy, but I've also got a few free blogs and resources about, it's called RCA. Mm-hmm. Again, it needs a name, mm-hmm. but it's their requirements, changes, accept. Mm-hmm. So I just use this as a, a basis for people to look at what they require from their work mm-hmm. and then what they can change yep. and then what they need to accept. So mm-hmm. currently I know there are a lot of nurses that do love bedside nursing, but what we're being asked to do at the minute, is not the nursing we signed up for. So perhaps they would have to focus more on the accept column. Mm. And I always just say accept but with a timeline. So I mean, this pandemic will be over, but we will all then also have the mm. trauma of all the work through going forward. But if people know, can, think, there will be an end to this, then, then that's great. But for other people, if they go back to their base and they realize they want something, then if their current role is not a job that they love, they need to be aware that, as you know, there's so mm. many different places to do nursing in. And sort of going back to that and talk about it a lot, is that making your own nursing narrative. A lot of people, and particularly in the last few months, in, in the DMs are like, I love my my colleagues mm. too much to leave or nursing, you know, supposed to be hard. No. No. I stop don't stop that. I just stop it. <laughs> Immediately stop it very much. There's so much more out there. So and as I just wrote to someone recently, I know they loved their job for a long time and now it's not great. I said, you know you can always come back. Mm. Try something else. And if in time you're still called back to it. Then you can follow that and and go back to it. Yeah. But if it's not working right now, requirements. Look at what you have to change, mm. and then accept the differences there. I love
0: that RCA model, and I might have to pinch that. I actually really yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah. And I need, I need no, name no, though. it's good because it stands for root cause analysis. So do you know when you look at it from oh. is that. <laughs> did you not oh my god i thought that's why you did it i was thinking oh as a nurse unit manager i'm loving this i'm like oh it's root cause analysis like you're getting to the base of the problem that you're back to the basics
1: (laughs) no i had no idea all right so it's
0: also marketing not just social media strategy free marketing (laughs) advice i love it um that's so good (laughs) um but you're right you know asking yourself that question what, what is it costing you to not move forward and change the situation? I love that coaching question. What is it costing you right now? And yeah. stay true to yourself and reconnect. And I always say to my nurses and to people that reach out is, just make sure you like your reason why. Like, make sure you like your reason why you're doing it. Yeah. Not because your that. peers are great, not because you manage. Like a couple of weeks ago, I had somebody say to me, my job's terrible. Oh my goodness. And then the next day, oh, I've got a new manager. It's going to be great. And I'm like, "Mm, no, it's not how it works. (laughs) You need to connect to your reason why you're doing the work that you do. And that will motivate you through the hard times that will propel you forward through the pain, the suffering, the trauma, the worry, the insomnia, all of the things to propel you forward in your career or to make the change that you need to make so i love that rca requirements changes and accept accept boom yeah root cause analysis (laughs) yeah awesome all righty so as we kind of wrap up i would love to know what pieces of advice would you like to offer nurses currently around the work that you do what would be a couple of things that you'd like to let them know
1: I think the main one is to seek support. Now, that support could come from informal friends, family, but I would highly recommend formal support such as what yourself and I offer. There are, it's wonderful, so many different nurse coaches Mm -hmm. out there now is a fit for all different people someone might connect with someone it could be anywhere if they find someone that fits for them seek support there but it's about i believe looking forward to someone who's just even a couple of steps in front of you to help mm. lead the way so seek support i also like to recommend that people don't focus too much on nursing outside mm. of nursing so it's about you know making your own and un- you're a great example of this. How you've got your working space now away from your house, mm. so keep your home a sanctuary. So don't only um, socialise with other nurses. There needs to be a, a switch off. Hobbies. There's a whole world out of nursing that people need to remember. They work as a nurse. Uh, nursing is not their only identity. Mm. So have nurse as part of your identity, not your only identity.
0: That is so good. I love that. I love that. So as we wrap up, where can people find you? We're about to do rapid fire. But before we do, where can people find you um, and connect with you and inquire about the membership?
1: So we have I'm um, on Instagram at autonomic underscore nurse. It's also autonomic without the nurse on Facebook, and then at autonomic.com.au as well amazing
0: love it make sure you check out beth she has so much great content online and yeah you're doing amazing work beth so thank you so much for what you do for the nursing community i would love to dive into a rapid fire question round. so the idea here is to put you under pressure (laughs) (laughs) Um, no the idea is to have a bit of fun and uh ask a couple of questions so ideally short short answers if you can but i mm-hmm. I love to talk, so who am I trying to get? <laughs> so question number one, if you could change one thing about the system about the healthcare system, what would it be?
1: No overtime, mandatory, no overtime oh,
0: boom, yes, payback it might not <laughs> love it, but sure no. <laughs> for wellbeing, yes, what is the worst piece of advice you've had as a clinician? suck it up oh all oh, that hurts <laughs> it's <laughs> oh, God, so that hurts.
1: hurtful that was about a, a I know I have to. It's rapid fire, but I walked in. I was on a, a late early, and someone died overnight. And I got the same went to get the same allocation in the morning, and one of the patients had died overnight. And I was crying in handover, and one of the old older nurses, suck it up. Oh
0: <laughs> my god! Threat. Oh my goodness! Oh yep. yuck! Not yep. good.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> what is your career? Why? Why do you do what you do?
1: You know what? It used to be, it was about me and what I could get, but my why now is others. Mm. I actually have every day on my phone, I have like a reminder that pops up at 9am and it says my success is others' success. (laughs) So it's, it's to remind me every day that if I work on myself and then in turn through autonomic, I can help others. So my why is like the ripple effect of of why I do the work I do is for the ripple effect
0: onto mm, others. That's beautiful. Amazing. Great. <laughs> uh, final question. What's your impossible career goal in 2022?
1: <sighs> going to say something really dramatic. I <laughs> recently got a book. It's called the million dollar micro business. Yep. And I'm going to say, I don't imagine it's going to be 2022, but I would like, Autonomic to become a million yeah. dollar micro business.
0: Of course, See. I love that. I don't
1: know, it's coming. I just don't know. Twenty twenty two.
0: I love that so much. I love that we are as a online community showing nurses what is possible outside of the realm mm-hmm. of clinical work. I yeah. know, um, and this year I'm going to talk more about business on yeah. the podcast because right. anybody could set up a business in health in nursing um, that yeah. serves serves people. Yeah ideally you need to be one two three four steps ahead of someone to be able to help them that's what we know from our work life and you can monetize it and you can build the life that you want and I don't I don't think we talk about it enough I I think there's a bit of shame around it because as nurses we are uh, not used to taking money from people like how Mm -hmm. uncomfortable do we feel when we're like oh you're private in the public sector you know and we get all antsy about that so I think we need to open that channel up for nurses to, to dive into because like my life goal is to be to be an example of what is possible yeah. for nurses within their yeah. careers and business
1: well i think it's that that narrative which i spoke about that that nurses we work for others we're not doing it for the money where it's this martyr syndrome that people mm. apply to nurses that we we shouldn't be Monetizing our skills, we should just be paid and offer our services to the community. We offer so much more than that. Is it's a really annoying mindset. The martyr Mm. nursing mindset has to go. I've I've had it. No one else feels guilty about getting a paycheck. Like no one says to an accountant, "How dare you ask for a pay rise?" (laughs) That's
0: madness. It is insane. But I just think it's it's such an amazing vision that you have and that goal. And I am glad you brought it up because. I don't know many people in Australia that are doing that, that are working. Like, there's a lot of people maybe working towards the goal, but maybe not in the coaching space within nursing, particularly. And a lot of that, that would stop a lot of people. That would stop yeah. because there's not an example that it's possible. But I love that both you and I have quite a similar goal in terms of the fact that we want to do it to prove that it is possible. Like, I don't need a million dollars, but. <laughs> it would be amazing and yeah. I would love to be able to serve people because if yeah. I was making a million dollars in my business that would indicate right that would indicate yeah. that you're helping hundreds if not thousands yeah. of people um and well, that that's better my, than that
1: my th- I have in the um, academy five steps like so when people come in they identify where they're at in the path and how they can go forward and stage five is called an autonomic nurse and I like to think that when I have enough people at Autonomic, and that the actions and um, action items and milestones for them to hit is helping others. So my vision is to have people in the academy and get to the point where then they are in their workplace doing good. So it's this ripple effect for me that I help however many people, and then they share it their knowledge and what they've learned. So mm. it's like a wave of kindness
0: mm. in the workplace. Yeah, and it's a wave of kindness and, and compassion and support and mentorship that we need desperately. So thank you so much for doing it. It's phenomenal. Let's um, see. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, make sure you check out Beth. All of the links will be in the show notes below. And until next time, stay curious, guys. Chat soon. Bye. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, please take a wee minute to leave a review. It would mean the absolute world to me. If you are ready to start taking action in your career and you need some support, why wait? Come and join my private Facebook community. The link is in the show notes below. Within the community, we take what we discuss in this podcast and we put it into action. Currently, I am looking for nurses who are ready to stop playing small and invest in themselves to create the life and the career they want to live. If that sounds like you, then please get in touch. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay forever curious, my nursing friends.